Welcome to the Raising Smart Kids podcast. I'm your host, Yang Pratt, and each week we'll explore ways in which the arts can help you raise a smarter kid. I'll be sharing ways the arts can propel your child's learning and interviewing top artists, educators, and entrepreneurs. These guests will share why the arts are so very important to your child, along with actionable ideas you can easily implement into your already busy schedule. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast here on iTunes and share us with a friend. For extra tips on raising smart kids, head on over to artsmartparenting.com and click on the live tab. Welcome back to the show. I'm so glad to have you here on the podcast again with me today. And today we're celebrating another milestone. Today we have our first dual interview. That's right. Today I have two guests on the line, two lovely ladies who I'm so excited for you to hear their advice and their wisdom about kids and the arts. My first guest is Anne Colin. Now, Anne and I have known one another for a number of years as we surround ourselves with the same mentors and same like-minded studio owners from across the country. And I had the fortunate experience of staying with Anne for a couple of days, a couple of years ago now, when I went to go get my ACRO certification that was being hosted in her town. Now, Anne owns DanceWorks and has two locations in Indiana. And her sister, April Atherton, my second guest, is one of their most beloved teachers. The two of them have really created a wonderful community of supportive teachers, enthusiastic students, and very talented kids all around. So I'm so excited to have you here on this first dual interview. I hope you enjoy. So Anne and April, let's talk about your journey into the arts. You're both dancers, but I want to know how that path started for you and when. I started dance and gymnastics when I was two. Apparently, I took off walking really fast, I mean, really quickly in my developmental stage. And then all of a sudden, I started having some trouble. And um, the pediatrician recommended to my mom that she get me in dance or gymnastics. So she went out and put me in both. (laughs) So um, that's how I got started in dance and gymnastics when I was a kid. Yes, and I was just the little sibling that followed the footsteps, (laughs) waiting in the lobby for older sister. And so then I got put in actually earlier, I think, than what they allowed at that time, just because I was around. They were like, sure, go take a class. So that's how I started. And did you guys like the process of being in classes together and doing things together? Uh, there's such a big age difference that we were never in the same classes. Mm-hmm. I think Anne might have assisted some of my classes early on, but we were never taking it at the same time. Excellent. Okay. All right. So kids these days are busier than ever. Mom, um, and with your four kids, you know, your kids are just going everywhere every day, right? And you're shuttling them back and forth. Right. Why, just, yeah. yeah. Why are the arts classes so important today? Um. Well, I'm just going to use my daughter, Hannah, as um, an example. She has been dancing and since she was two. She does voice now as well. She does theater and she does gymnastics. And um, what it has given her or brought to her is discipline, self-discipline, 
um, self-esteem. Uh, I mean, like confidence, which is self-esteem, but I think it can be a little different. Um, when I say like discipline, it's very interesting. She is so organized at her age of 10. I don't have to ask her to do homework. I don't have to check her homework. Uh, and when we come home in the evening, after I've been at the studio all day or and all night teaching, I can go to bed and know when I wake up, she has finished all of her homework, has all of her stuff ready for the day, and is going to be out the door and to school on time. And on time to her is five minutes early. If she is on time, she is like late. So... Um, I think one of the biggest, biggest things for her is that discipline um, and um, self-motivation to be able to, at 10, you know, take her day and have it planned. I don't even have to, I don't even have to have her leotard for dance class. She puts it in her, or gymnastics. She puts it in her bag and has it ready to go. If for some reason she doesn't, she will say something to me before she walks out the door. Hey, I didn't get a leotard day today. Do you mind grabbing me one? But nine times out of 10, she has a spare in her backpack. So it doesn't even matter if I would have grabbed her one. <laughs> she just ready to go all the time. It makes your job much easier. Yes, yes. So I just really think that um, helping her, um, it has helped so much with her staying on task, getting things done. And um, I mean, like, she's an amazing child because of being in the arts. Yes, yeah, so yeah, I would agree with all of that. Accountability um, is another good one, just because they know that they have their um, classmates and teammates or their theater group, whatever activity that they are in within the arts that is relying on them. And in order to stay in those extracurricular activities, they have to abide and get done all of their schoolwork and manage their grades and all of their schedules within their multiple different activities that they're involved in. Yeah, so many great qualities to be learned from an arts classroom versus a traditional classroom. If you were to talk to a traditional classroom teacher, what little bit of advice might you tell them about incorporating the arts and why they need to have that in their classrooms? Um, it's funny that you asked. I actually just recently did a seminar with um, um, a college class of students that were learning to be teachers and how um, drama and dance and creative movement needs to be brought into the classroom and the benefits of that. Um, and it, within that, um, you know, you can go to school for six or seven hours a day as a child and sit there and listen to somebody, you know, give you a lecture or teach you whatever and then do your work. But um, all we're doing when you do that is teaching the child how to regurgitate what we have um, told them to memorize and remember. And what that is doing is taking the fun out of learning. And kids love to learn and that's I mean like that's just how they they are I mean they learn to talk they learn to walk it, it's from the moment they are born they have this like internal drive to learn new things and if you don't do it in an environment where they can express themselves and they can get up and move around um 
we're, we're wasting, we're actually wasting their time, in my opinion. That's just my opinion. Um, that you need to have um, dance and drama in the classroom. It actually helps them become better critical thinkers than the different ways they're teaching math now. Um, <laughs> so we're giving them in the drama room, we're giving them different scenarios and they're thinking on their feet on how to um, put together a commercial. And not only are they thinking on their feet to do that, they're also working as a team because they're in groups. They're not just sitting at a table regurgitating what we're telling them to memorize. Awesome. <laughs> Definitely. Agree all with that. Perfect. Well, and I love that you brought up the, the word critical thinking because when I talk to parents a lot, that's not a word that they use a lot, but I think it's really valuable for, for them to understand what that means. We talk about critical thinking and problem solving and how in an arts classroom, all the time, they're being asked to assimilate the information, not to regurgitate it. Yes, while they're learning choreography, they're learning certain steps, but they're also understanding why A connects to B and why we make this happen. It's never just about the end product. It's that journey and all of those decisions they have to make to be part of that group or part of that dance or part of that classroom. Or even the step that they're working on at that moment. I mean, you know, just to do a single turn, you have to understand X, Y, and Z. And um, just to even, like, let's just take the even beginning part of that, just balancing. The kids have to think critically, okay, I'm falling backwards. What does that mean? Where do I need to now change my um, weight. Oh, am I not supporting my abs? And so my core, okay, so let me try that. Oh, did that fix the problem? I didn't fall backwards now. Oh, awesome, I just figured it out myself. Nobody told me how to do that, but I thought critically about what worked and what didn't work, and now I'm able to do that, just that step even better. Right, and April, in your classes, how do you go about introducing that little piece of critical thinking and problem solving? Um, I mean, like, even making it a little bit fun of, like, question and answer of, like, even just asking them, okay, why did I fall backwards? Why, why are you falling backwards? Getting them to understand themselves of how to correct themselves by little mini quizzes here and there, whether or not they realize it. I ask them what a rond de jambe is. They say circling of the leg. They, they know it, and they understand, and then they can understand what body parts. And I am very big on, like, the anatomy, so then they can understand their own body of knowing this is the joint. This is a joint that moves circular. This is a joint that just been and straightens different movements and motions and muscle groups within their body and that will help them understand um, the putting putting together the different movements that the dance um, is required or that exercise something else is um, just like understanding why the why behind especially in the ballet room why do you have to do tondus all the time um, <laughs> what is the progression I mean like professional ballerinas they still do plies and tondus every single day so it also helps with the why putting the why behind yes. why you're why you're doing something repetitive or over and over again and if they understand the why then they want to do it they understand why do I need these why do I need to know that 5 plus 5 is 10 you know why do I need to know how to make 15% of a check eventually in the real world kids need to know those things but the teachers sometimes don't assimilate those things within the real world and they don't want to learn where in the arts we make it understandable and then they want to learn more and then they keep growing within that yeah so that really talks to you about really speaks to 
how the arts really can help a child learn no matter how they learn best, right? So if they learn kinesthetically, absolutely, they're doing a lot of that. But if they're a visual learner, they can actually learn so much just by watching. They don't have to always do it, but they can make those connections happen. If they love to learn conceptually, maybe they're really great at math and love that, you know, in a ballet class or in a music class, there's tons of math that's happening behind the scenes that we're not even seeing. It's just all these little processes happening. And I think for parents too, the bit about having their kids ask questions, you know, when our kids are growing up and they're two and three and four and learning to talk, they're always asking why. But somewhere along the way, probably about six or seven, the questions stop. And I think that's so interesting that we don't keep encouraging that as parents or teachers or society. We just want kids to learn, but we're not always willing to take that, those extra few seconds to ask them why something happened or why. Well, and I think, I think sometimes as a parent, um, you can get so busy in your day-to-day life that um, it seems bothersome sometimes for your child to ask why a hundred times. And so sometimes us as parents, we have to remember not to shut down those whys ourselves at home. You know, let the kid ask. If it's not the right time, then say, can you hold on just a moment and let me finish this and then I can help you? Um, at my house, we do something that my son William has learned at school. He goes to a Montessori school and um, he has lots of questions and it can be very tirous, tirous. <laughs> Like he wears me out to ever <laughs> questions. He's six, and all he does is ask questions. But um, so he'll come up to me and just if I'm busy or he starts to ask me a question and he notices he's not getting a response and he'll just like put his hand on my shoulder <laughs> and just stand there for a moment. And then I cognitively am aware, okay, William has a question. He's waiting patiently, standing here calmly. Let me finish what I'm doing and then give him that attention that he needs to um, ask me his question or help him with whatever it is but I mean like it's so important as a parent that we don't also shut down those whys because I think that sometimes it can happen at home like that might be where it's starting I mean all of us are busy we're doing the dishes we're doing the laundry we're helping this one with homework and then you have your two-year-old over here mommy why is this this can why can't I go outside right now you know you just need to if you stop and answer them eventually um, eventually they'll, they'll stop asking. Sometimes a good way to get them to stop is to ask them a question in return. That's a great tip. And, and you had said, you know, we're all busy, but having the awareness of having William just touch you to let you know that he's there and to remind you that he needs to be addressed and he needs his needs met as well. And then, yeah, just allowing him to ask questions and then asking a question in return to make a child think, wait, well, I don't know, let me think about that. To give them that space to problem solve, to critically think, and to come to a solution on their own without us having to always tell them or sometimes nagging them to get stuff done. They just understand or will come to understand that there's just a natural progression of things and this is how they can contribute. So I wanna know for both of you, I wanna hear a story about a student you've had in your classes whose life was 
absolutely transformed by being part of what you do. We have a student, Alyssa, and um, she is, she could, she is really intelligent, like very intelligent, but she's that child that um, can't stand still and maybe doesn't always do the steps, like actually demonstrate the steps correctly, um, but has like this vast knowledge of understanding what she did wrong, what she needs to do to fix it, and then can do it correctly if she stops and concentrates and really focuses on it. And I think that dance, it has helped her um, not only at, at dance, but in the classroom, at school, um, you know, just just understanding how to focus her energy and um, put it where it needs to be to accomplish whatever it is she needs to accomplish. Yeah, using what she has learned throughout, you know, the many years of dance to be able to utilize that side of her brain and the more creative side, because she is a very creative individual, sometimes a little too creative, but you know, you don't ever want to like squelch that. However, there are times and places for that creativity to be able to be her outlet. And sometimes schoolwork was not the time to be the creative. She needed to get her work done and she's been able to learn within dance of, this is not time for your improv right now. We need to do this correctly. <laughs> so it has gotten her to realize there are time and places for using her creativity and and shining through that and other times when she does have to follow the rules in a dance classroom we all have to be working on turns right now we're not leaping different things like that that has helped her along the way I would say and then there's always um, you know any child that has any special needs um, I had um, probably back in the first years of the studio, an epileptic child come through uh, Dance Works. And I actually still get notes from her mother about how wonderful dance and Dance Works was with her and helping her, you know, just function like a normal and, and just be a normal kid like everyone else you know not necessarily at school was she just like everyone else but in the dance room I mean she was she was just a, a student just like everyone else she even competed on the stage like everyone else wow. and um we, we had a hard of hearing yes like was very minimal on her hearing and every competition <laughs> Have to make sure they knew to have that volume up and she actually could just feel the vibrations of the speakers to then help her and then she obviously had to use her eyesight to stay with her students she knew what the dance was however timing sometimes was the more challenging thing for her to learn but she was still able to manage around that to be able to compete and dance and you know throughout her life wow those are really great stories so here's a question that sometimes i get asked too you know parents when they think they're enrolling their kid in a dance class you know they tell me well they have no aspirations to become a dancer or you know that's not really their thing but you know and i know that there's such value what would you tell the parent who says well you know i don't want my kid to become a professional dancer so i don't think dance class is a good choice for them what would you tell them 
I would first say at the younger ages, it's the social interactions. When they're that like two and three year old and they're the only kid at home, they don't know how to communicate with the other children, whether or not it's actually verbally or just interacting of, I have to take my turn. It's, it's Susie's turn to go across the floor, not mine. I don't get the purple X because I didn't get there first. I might today have the orange X. I have to be able to be okay with that. And kids that don't have siblings or haven't been in the like preschool atmosphere or even a daycare for that matter, sometimes do not experience that unless it is through the arts and they're just like stay at home and if they don't get that then it's harder for them to be able to have those social interactions and to know their time and place when it comes to actually taking a class and following directions which they have to learn in school of you know yes there are times when I can speak there are other times when I have to listen as well as learning that there are times when you get to be the leader of the class and other times when you're new to that class and you are going to be the follower because you are learning these things for the first time while there are other children in the class that are above you because this is their third or fourth year in that level and they are mastering those skills where you are just being introduced to them. Excellent. And Anne? She, she, she pretty much stole them all. But, uh, <laughs> no, I, I think dance anyone can benefit from, from the youngest kid to the oldest adult. Um, and to be quite honest, the, the vast majority of the kids that take dance, they're not going to be professional dancers or professional ballerinas. They're not, they're not going to be on Broadway. That's not, that's not really their calling. This is just an outlet for them. It's um, a friend of mine always says, you know, the dance studio is a safe haven and um, it's a place where they can walk in that door and leave all of their problems or troubles behind and know that they have a group of people that support them and love them and will be nothing but positive with them and kids need that they need a safe place where they can just go and have an outlet and just be a kid with everyone else and um, dance is or theater or music is 100% um, a safe place and a great place for your child to be um, I always say at our studio, dance friends are best friends, and they truly are. They really, truly are. Those kids um, not only do dance together, but they go to the movies together. They go out to eat together. They spend the night at each other's house. And um, my own kids are part of that. And I feel more comfortable with them going and doing things with their dance friends than their friends at school because you know it, it is it is a safe place and all of us moms we want the same thing we want that for our children absolutely on a previous podcast interview I interviewed Clint Salter and he used the word home dance was home for him that there was that comfort level there was that acceptance and that's exactly what you're saying and I just love that you know, everyone in this dance world or in this world of the arts has their own unique journey of how they got here. But at the core, we're all searching for that same thing, that place where we can feel we're the most ourselves we could ever be. Right. Fantastic. So before we wrap up with our final question, what is the best way for our listeners to get in contact with you if they have any more questions? Um, well, you can always email um, the dance studio. It's danceworks.studio at att.net. Um, and you can address the email to Anne or April. And either one of us would be glad to answer any questions that you would have. 
Fantastic. And I'll be sure that all of your contact information just links directly to your site as well. And they can just reach out to you for any further questions they have. So before we say goodbye today, I want to know one last bit of information. We're all we're here to help parents to raise smarter kids through the arts. What is one thing parents could do this week to incorporate the arts into their already busy lives? I know in our area, or at least at our studio, we have a free event. It's called Storytime with the Twist. And um, the kids come in, we read a story, we do some movement activities. Um, you could reach out to your local library. Most libraries have um, events similar to that. Um, also, um, there are lots of, if you don't have the resources or the time to go do something like that, you can, on the internet, find lots of activities um, for your children. Um, we just did a snow makeup day virtually with our kids and for PE they um, did this exercise video and it was to um, the whip and it was like the <laughs> ever and um, so it was really neat to watch my kids they were actually like dancing and then doing some jumping jacks and stuff <laughs> uh, you can also look up lots of really neat ideas crafty ideas on Pinterest and um, use some stuff that you have at home and um, you know paint with shaving cream or make play-doh um, I know that's not a dance class but um, that is um, art you know that's that's just plain old art and kids love that anytime they can get their um, hands into some paint or things like that if it's snowing where you are it's really neat to take some food dye out in the snow and let the kids create um, some interesting art pieces as well yeah and I'm a big movie buff myself and so I would say even if there's not like local theaters for them to actually be immersed at there's no show that week they're on hiatus etc but even just renting an old classic singing in the rain my fair lady anything that has like song and dance it will get them um, immersed into it and then they will gain a larger interest for wanting to get themselves within the arts whether or not that's drama music dancing any of those realms they will become more uh, motivated and inspired by watching some of the classics that kids nowadays I mentioned oh this is for Mary Poppins and they're like I don't know what that is and I'm like oh dear we need to and I and I sometimes make it their homework okay go watch a musical you know and and they'll they'll do it and it's and it's very fun to find what they saw and what they thought about it, even especially when it was like an old classic um song and dance musical anything like that it's fun fun to see what the younger generation thinks of what i consider just the classic movies i was i grew up on right and then like if you have a toddler at home put on some music you're doing the dishes and let them help you and before you know it they're gonna be singing and dancing while they're doing the dishes and um, then they're gonna want to do the dishes with you every day and it's always nice to have help so um, just put on some music and have fun yeah every mom's dream to have their kids help with the dishes right yes <laughs> even better if you can have tons of fun and create some lasting memories in the process Right. And you'd be shocked. They really like to help you with those chores. <laughs> Excellent. Well, April and Anne, I want to thank you so much for being here today. This was lots of fun for me to have my first double interview. So yay! <laughs> one for the books for us. So thank you again for being here and sharing your information. I so appreciate you and all that you put out into the universe. Yes. Thank you so much for having us both. Thank you. Thank you. 
Thanks for tuning in to the Raising Smart Kids podcast. If you're enjoying this podcast, please share us with a friend and head on over to iTunes and leave us a review there and let us know you're enjoying the show. If you're looking for more tips on raising smart kids, head to Amazon.com and pick up a copy of my first book, Raising a Superhero, How to Unleash Your Child's Eight Superpowers and Propel Learning Through the Arts. Thanks for allowing me to be your guide on this parenting adventure, and I look forward to catching you next time.